Good morning, everybody. Hello. If you've got a Bible or phone, you might want to start turning to Luke 19, 1 to 10. Luke 19, 1 to 10. If you haven't got a Bible, no worries. Uh, we'll be projecting the passage upon the screen. Luke 19, 1 to 10. Welcome, everyone. If you're a visitor here this morning, uh, you are really welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you're a student uh, with us, I can, I've spotted a few students already. You are re it's really great to have you uh, with us this morning. If you're thinking about finding a church as your home, choose this one. We'd love to, to have you and welcome you. Over the last few weeks, we've been unveiling, if you like, um, our new we values. That's what we've been calling them colloquially, our we values. If you remember three weeks ago as I introduced them, I was explaining that over the last year or so, we've been in discussion together as elders with our wider leadership team, with various friends in our wider New Frontiers family, especially a man called Charles Glass who is actually the director of um, Christ Central, the family of churches we belong to, really about the whole issue of values and culture in the church. He provoked us by saying, you're very good uh, at listing all the things you would like to do, but are you defining and shaping the kind of church God prophetically wants you to be? And as I said a few weeks ago, this really triggered something in all of us that God is thinking, God is praying about what Jubilee stands for and what people encounter as they bump into us or we bump into them, our values. Over this period of time also, God, through prophetic declarations, has been speaking to us about a time of change, if you like, expectation, expectation and freshness. Uh, as I said the other week, as, as Paul Winston brought on his famous bedsheet Sunday, if you remember, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, don't hold back, lengthen your cords, Jubilee, strengthen your stakes. As Helen shared with us as elders, a line has been drawn and we're to not look back. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it, Jubilee? Under the shelter of your tent, as we heard this morning, there is a river of gold flowing through. God is on the move. As Ginny Bergen shared at Devoted 2019, for those of you who are there, specifically mentioning Teesside, she was talking about a recent story of how, I said this the other week, about uh, a town in Derbyshire where when it was all evacuated because of the partial collapse of Toddbrook, Reservoir Dam, and she said this, they were desperately trying to repair the dam and haul back the water, but in God's kingdom, that's not meant to happen. In God's kingdom, the dam wall is about to burst, and we are not to evacuate out of its path, but to get right in there, to get into what God is doing right now, to get in the waters that will change the landscape completely, the waters that will drench every available space. And so we feel God is reshaping the landscape. We're part of that landscape, aren't we? Our values and our culture. And as we said three weeks ago, we felt God has landed four values that I believe will help us define who we are uniquely together. 
what we hold strong, what will shape the things we do and say and get involved in. And if you remember, they all begin with the word we. Why we? Why? Because we, all of us, in friendship and unity, are important to God. These we values, God is saying, are to touch all of us, every single we here. And also, if you remember, the other thing about all four of these we values is that they are rooted in the very names and heart of God, underlining crystal clear that Jesus is the reason for all four of them. So here they are again. Why don't we all read them out together, shall we? Let's all read them out together. We rejoice because God is our strength and song. We welcome because God is love. We inspire because God is our Father. More about that next week. We go because God is light. And so last week, Simon unpacked We Rejoice uh, as he spoke of how in the midst of shackles and chains, the Apostle Paul could shout out uh, from the bottom of his heart, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say. I say it again, rejoice. How Christian joy was not just about trying how Christian joy is not just about trying to perpetually make all of our circumstances favorable, but rather a deeper joy found in the truth and depths of Jesus, despite our circumstances actually, especially in the midst of unfavorable circumstances. He, Jesus, is our strength and our song, no matter what. We rejoice. And so this week, we come to our second we value. We welcome. And as I hinted three weeks ago, um, God really drew me to an encounter with Jesus that made this value very vivid and extremely challenging for me. The true story of Zacchaeus. Many of you who have been brought up in church culture may have heard this story. So anyhow, let's read this encounter, shall we? Uh, Luke 19 1 to 10, and then we can see what we can learn from it. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, I can uh, relate to that, because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these amazing encounters. Thank you, Lord, that you just don't, that you just don't tell us uh, what's right and how to behave and um, what it is uh, that you want us to believe, but actually you show us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way, 
I thank you, Lord, that you're a real model, but also, actually, you're a real help in all of us every single day because when you rose again, you poured out your spirit and we are not alone. Never, you said, will you forsake us. Never will you leave us alone. And we pray, Lord, this morning, be our teacher. Speak to us prophetically. Stir our hearts and call us more and more to be that church who welcomes everybody everywhere no matter what. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, who is Zacchaeus? Um, Verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Who's Zacchaeus? A tricky question, actually, because on the one hand, most of us know that tax collectors were bad. Yeah, but on the other hand, we don't really get how bad they actually were thought of. Ancient day tax collectors were mean. People hated them. People feared them. These guys were considered Jewish sellouts. What they did day to day was considered religious uh, and political treason. Interestingly, Jesus had one of of them on his dream team, Matthew. But Zacchaeus was even different from Matthew. He was not just a regular tax collector. He was a chief tax collector the chief of all debauchery and hatred and sin. Meet meet Zacchaeus. As I said the other week, if we had a modern-day parallel, which we don't have, he'd be like a pimp who owned loads of prostitutes, who was also a drug dealer and a hitman and a gang leader, who with all the cash he made secretly funded ISIS. Are you getting the picture? That's Zacchaeus, not the cuddly, cute man that we sometimes see in our children's Bibles sitting next to a cat. No way. This man was not welcome, not at all welcome in the church of his day. In a sermon I listened to recently, theologian Preston Sprinkle tells the story of Leslie. Leslie grew up physically as a girl, but as early as she could remember, Leslie felt that although she looked like a girl, all her experiences right from the tender age of four was like she was a boy. She said, it's really hard to explain, but the day-to-day stuff I thought about, toys I played with, clothes I wanted to wear, was all about being a boy. As she grew older, increasingly she realized that there was a disconnect between the gender she was born with and the reality of her experience. Now, Leslie deeply loved Jesus. She had fond memories of worship and praise. But increasingly, as she realized more, this disconnect, she started to wrestle with what her faith told her and what she was experiencing. She remembers when she was around high school age, her pastor at the time gave a series of sermons where he condemned all homosexuals to hell. That God had no such forgiveness for such deviance, and even worse was, uh, was the mentally ill transgender community. That's what he said. These were the things she recalled him saying. Men becoming women, pe- uh, women becoming men. These people are an abomination before God. This was the stark reality of what he said. 
We must protect our children from them. And most of all, Leslie remembers her friends in the congregation all shouting, Amen, as they showed their appropriate levels of disgust and hatred for this group of people. This is a true story. And Leslie remembers as as a young person being so ashamed for being being such an abomination to God that she, to the God that she adored. Obviously, this Christian God had no place for her in his world. And the followers of this God had no place for her in their church. And so she ended up leaving the church as it became evident that people like her were not welcome there. Zacchaeus would have felt the same way in his community for different reasons. He would have been brought up in the Jewish tradition right from childhood. But over time, this would have changed. He would have been hated and marginalized, not welcome. Jubilee, we live in a world where Zacchaeuses are all around us. We live in a world full of lifestyles, worldviews, and thinking that clash with what God says is right. We are increasingly living in a church where more and more Zacchaeuses are walking through those very doors at the back. I remember Ray prophesying some years ago now in a prayer meeting in the woodshed, for those of you who remember the woodshed, uh, that God is making in here more like out there. Praise God, that is what you're seeing now. And the challenge is this jubilee. The challenge is this to us. What kind of church are we going to be to the Zacchaeuses amongst us? Are we going to be like Jesus? Hold on to that question. So verse 3, what does it say? Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, so he ran ahead and climbed a tree since Jesus was coming that way. I think I remember saying this the other morning too. When it comes to Jesus' life, uh, this is the thing that really fascinates me the most when I look at the stories of Jesus. It's the thing that generates for me, if you like, a lot of questions. You see, Jesus was always heavy on the truth, wasn't he? He loved the Word of God. He never compromised on uh, the truth of God's high call to his followers. He did. But even though that was so true about Jesus, those very people who broke all those rules, people who clearly felt marginalized by the church of of their day, those very same people... Uh, even after hearing Jesus' high, high, high call, high teaching, came flocking to see him in droves. Many of them, all different kinds of people. And so the question is this, what was it that was so compelling and magnetic about Jesus that despite his high morality and righteousness, people just couldn't stop drawing near to him? And therefore, what is it about the church that so often clashes with Jesus, like we hear in Leslie's story? Let's read on. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Wow. Do you see how amazing this is? This is countercultural to the highest degree. This is what disturbed the religious people of the day. 
In ancient culture, staying at someone's house and eating with them wasn't just entertainment, as we see in some of our Persian friends' houses. No, it was a sign of love. It was a sign of acceptance, of relationship. I want to be with you, Jesus was publicly declaring. He was declaring it was a sign of love. He was declaring acceptance, a relationship. You are in. Can we share life together? Can we be friends? It was actually a very vivid sign of you are welcome. Listen, right here, right now, Jesus is passing through by his Spirit. And he is saying to all of you, you Zacchaeus, you Zacchaeus, you Zacchaeus, you Zacchaeus, you are welcome here. This place, this, this is a place to flourish in God, whether you know Jesus yet or not. That's what his love looks like, doesn't it? Jubilee, we welcome because God is love. Jesus is love. And listen, this love, Christ in us, is the hope of glory to the church and to the world. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and we love because he loved us first. That was, that, that's what is amazing about um, you guys, Jubilee. You love like Jesus. That's what Baz Muhammad from Afghanistan received when he came uh, to Jubilee and started our Alpha course. That's what Deborah experienced when she met Jordi by accident, allegedly. That's what Sana from Pakistan, if you remember her, felt when she met Liz Winston and the Catrolls. Uh, that's what Gemma received when she met Spark- the Sparklers ladies. That's what Anthony received when she met Sue and John at Hope. That was my experience too, 20 years ago, as a messed up, confused, non-Christian, grieving, angry trying to work out life as I bumped into you, the church, that was drenched in the love of God. That's what caught my attention. You showed me it. Truth and righteousness is very important. Very important. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But love jubilee is what, is what, is what made people flock to Jesus. They saw it off from miles away. They experienced it. They touched it. They felt it. They were transformed by it. If you're not a Christian here this morning, listen, Jesus is passing through this very moment and he loves you. What happens next? Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to the guest of a sinner. Tut, tut, tut. They muttered, they grumbled, they complained under their breath, they murmured disgust, just like Leslie's friends in her church. Who are they? Who are they in this story? They were the ones that thought they were okay. They were the ones that thought they were better than Zacchaeus. They were the church and society of his day. But you know what? Jesus sees deeper into all of our lives. He sees bigger sins in the theirs than, does, than he does in Zacchaeus. What some Christian thinkers call sins of the spirit as opposed to the more obvious sins of the flesh. Deep things, attitudes like pride, arrogance, 
self-righteousness, judgmentalism, prejudice. He saw these sins, especially in the religious people of his day, the church of his day. They thought, they, they thought it was possible to love God and despise people. They thought they were top of the pops when it came down to spiritual maturity because they avoided those sins of the flesh. They had no idea, though, that their sins, their sins of the Spirit, were just as bad, if not worse. Jesus battled with them more than anyone else. That's who he had a problem with. The church should be different, shouldn't it? Thank God this church is different. Philip Yancey tells a story. He says this, A prostitute came to me in a wretched state, homeless, sick, unable to buy food for a two-year-old daughter. Through sobs and tears she told me she had been renting out her daughter, two years old, to men who were interested. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn on her own in a whole night. She had to do it, she said, to support her drug habit. I could hardly hear, I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. At last I asked if she'd ever thought of going to a church for help. I will never forget the look of pure naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she cried, why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They'd just make me feel worse. It's not meant to be like that, is it, is it, church? It's not meant to be like that. And I thank God I said that this church isn't like that more often than not. So how does Zacchaeus respond? How does Zacchaeus respond? Look carefully at the text. What does Jesus do in the house? You'd have imagined, oh, I'd have imagined him coming in uh, and saying, right, locking the door uh, so there were no interruptions and saying, look here, little man, I've just saved your tax-collecting little butt out there. Look at yourself. You have, a, you have serious issues. You're a liar. You're a thief. You're greedy. You're ashamed to humanity. Look here, buddy. You need to get your act together. Maybe you could start by giving back all you have taken. In fact, according to the rules, Leviticus 6, maybe you need to give back all you have taken plus 20%. Go sort yourself out, little man. Is that what he says? What does he actually say? It's a real question. What does he say? Exactly. Nothing. He says nothing. All he does, in fact, all he does is watch. He watches Zacchaeus joyfully, excitedly, eagerly repent. He watches him turn away from his sin. Jesus is passing through, welcoming Zacchaeus into the very presence of God, transforms his whole life. Verse 8 says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to give four times more back. That is the power of love, Jubilee. Unconditional love. He only needs to give back 120% according to that bare minimum. But he gives back 400%. 400%. That's what the Apostle Paul gets at in Romans 2.4 when he says, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance what happens in the midst of the church family where God is there 
And as Jesus sees it, uh, and, and Jesus sees it, doesn't he? He acknowledges it with words of celebration and joy. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus says, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus welcomed this man into his life. He sacrificed all the shame and scorn and embarrassment of being with him so that in turn, this man would have life and dignity and salvation. It's actually a small picture of the cross. Zacchaeus went into his home with Jesus, a sinner, and he leaves his home as a son. That's phenomenal. How many of you have experienced that? Over the next two weeks, we have our annual gift days, as Simon said. As I was reading this, Zacchaeus is a model for how we give, actually. Not just a number of what, what we're going to get. Not, we don't just think of a number. And not, not do I really have to do this? Not again. Not going through the motions, but an act of faith coupled with celebration. That's what we see in Zacchaeus. Generosity is the fruit of our changed lives, free from the shackles of religion, the bare minimum released into the joy-filled, sacrificial, grace-motivated love of Jesus. That's what salvation in our lives looks like. Not a burden, but an act of worship to Him who gives everything. The Son of Man, the one who seeks and saves the lost, the one who sought you and you and you and saved you. We have a big faith gap, as we mentioned the other morning. 40K plus. That's a lot of money. We feel God has called us to great things, though. You are involved in all of this. There's a spiritual momentum at the moment. You are invested at Jubilee in this great adventure. Does the 40K trouble me? No. As me and Al Carney, we uh, prayed at the Awaken Night over the verse found in 1 Colossians, uh, in Colossians 1, being strengthened with all, all power according to his glorious might. That's what it said. That's our Jesus. He is large and in charge. I will praise the Most High. That's our God. I will honor and glorify him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal jubilee. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does what he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is the God who will provide 40K. He has all power and glorious might unleashed into the life of the church. You and me. Pray big prayers this week as we come to our gift days over the next two weeks about what your contribution will be. Will you do that? If the band can come up, that would be great. Remember Leslie, who I was talking about earlier? After she left the church, she joined the LGTB community. She became friends with them. There she was widely welcomed um, and loved. And eventually she got married to another woman. But five years later, Leslie's wife died of cancer. And Leslie was devastated. And it was around that time that Leslie met another church pastor uh, from from a, ch from a church close to her in a coffee shop. 
He befriended her. He bought her a coffee. And eventually, he invited her over to meet the family over dinner. And Leslie, well, she was scared, as you can imagine. And rightly so, think about her last experience with a church pastor who shouted out all of his atrocities. Well, this pastor was different. He invited her for a meal, and Leslie struck enough courage up to say yes. Remember, by now, she's full transgender. She's wearing dresses, makeup. She looks different. At the end of the night, the pastor says, thank you so much for coming. Can we do this again sometime? I've so loved this conversation. And so it happens again and again. She's confused, but she says, yes, meals, conversation, fun, laughter. And eventually, Leslie just says it how it is. Look, I don't get this. You know who I am. You see who I am. Why are you, a Christian pastor, having dinner with me, a transgender man? I don't get it. You are not supposed to like people who are like me. That's what she thought. That's what she said. And the church pastor replied with these life-giving words. He said, look, Leslie, I am the pastor of the God of Jesus Christ, and I love you and have enjoyed being with you because you are also loved by him, Jesus Christ. You are welcome here. Jesus loves you. And that's what turned Leslie's life around, actually. That was what Les, that was, that's what brought Leslie back into the church of Jesus. Love without footnotes. Love beyond reason. Love that was real. The very same love that made Zacchaeus run around joyfully and repent. Over the years ahead, Leslie's life was transformed. Today, this is a true story, she is fully joined to the church family again. And she actually runs a ministry to other kids who wrestle with gender confusion, what's called gender dysphoria. And she now mediates Christian truth to them with love, but also with a compassion that says, I know exactly what you're going through. Shall we walk this path together? Do you realize how valuable Leslie is to the kingdom of God? Having lived with this for many years, very truthful about how she still wrestles with this today. It's not easy. It's a daily struggle. And she declares that she is so thankful to be in the community of Jesus that welcomes her, befriends her, supports her through her daily difficulties as she supports others too. That's the church jubilee right there. And I've deliberately used that extreme case because that is a case that I believe challenges every single person here. And God wants us to take us to a greater depth of welcome than we have ever witnessed or experienced before. Jubilee, we rejoice because God is our strength and our song. We welcome because God is love. We inspire because God is our Father. We go because God is is light. Let's stand. Yeah, thank you, Lord, that you are good. I thank you, Lord, that you are creating more and more a church that welcomes everybody. I thank you, Lord, that you love your word. You love righteousness and you minister it to each and every one of us here in love and grace. And we pray, Lord God, for 
Anybody here who feels left out, marginalized, on the edge, whatever it is, we pray, Lord God, that they would meet you here this morning and know that you are a God of welcome with arms wide open. Come, Holy Spirit, minister your love and your grace. Let's celebrate this, Jesus.